0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. It's an all-pet day here on Creature Comforts this morning. The doors to our pet hospital are wide open, so we welcome all pet questions from the big to the small. Do you have a cat or dog at home, or maybe both? We'll also answer questions about getting exotic pets like rabbits, snakes, or ferrets. Don't hesitate to join the conversation by phone or email. And we always like to hear your wildlife experiences, your brushes with nature, as it were. Join the conversation by calling one 877 ring. It's one 672 7464 or email animals at mpb online.org. Always offer this reminder that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday mornings, it repeats every Saturday morning at 6. So, good morning, Libby. Let's uh, start with you. I think that you're still out in Oregon. So, what interesting things have you been seeing this week?
2: Okay, yes, we're still here. And we try to get in a good hike pretty much every day and, you know, pick out We have several favorite places to go, and this week we went back one day to a place where we'd seen peregrine falcons in the past, and they're they're kind of known to to um, occur there. And we weren't disappointed, so we got to see a peregrine falcon. He was um, on an old light pole about fifty yards from us when we spotted it. But the neat thing was he you know looked over our way, and we could see that he looked at us, and then we were just watching him through binoculars and, uh, he was zeroed in on one spot in the field in front of him. And then he, when he struck, he went, you know, it was just, you almost couldn't see him. He was so fast. And he, uh, then we saw that he had a, a little rodent in his mouth, you know, a vole or a mouse or something. It was actually pretty good size. And then he very quickly went into the woods on the other side of us so we just got to watch him a while and it was like he had looked at us and said watch this so it was really fun and uh then uh it must have been a good day for raptors that uh we as we were walking home we got to see a kestrel hunting and got really good close looks at the kestrel and then saw a northern harrier who also took a vole so um, a nice, sunny, cold day is, I suppose, what they were all looking for, and we were, too. So we're having a good time in Oregon still.
1: So uh, birds of prey, two voles, zero for the day, sounds like.
2: Yeah, And but I, I tell you, we had walked in that field before, and it's full of, I mean, thousands of little holes in the ground. So I'm thinking it's also a good place for the voles and moles and Everything else that's
1: out here. Here's some uh, animal news in the news. Uh, The owl that was found in the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. A tiny uh, saw-wet owl was apparently trapped in the 75-foot-tall Norway spruce when it was cut down in upstate New York on November 12th. Uh, Just a tangent here. The spruce came from Oneonta, New York, which is where my mother and my sister live. Uh, the owl was found by a worker setting up the holiday tree on November 16th at Manhattan's Rockefeller Center. She was hungry and dehydrated, but otherwise fine. And after a week at a nearby rehab center, she was cleared to continue her migratory journey south and released back into the wild. So a happy ending there uh, with the, uh, uh, the uh, Christmas tree. And I can't remember what they named the owl, but it was some sort of cute... Uh, something to do with uh, with where they found it or, or something, but I don't... don't Kim, miss. and they, they named her Rocky. Ro- that's it. Rocky <laughs> was what they named her. That's yes. it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's a good thing to remind everybody. When you cut your trees, if you go to, uh, um, to a place where you cut it yourself on the... We have Christmas tree farms all around us here, so we've just cut two uh, a couple of weeks ago, I guess, now, but... Remember to shake your tree really well before you bring it in. You're probably not all that likely to bring in a saw wet all, but <laughs> you might have a, a spider or any kind of a, you know, several kind of creatures could be hiding in there. So it's a really good idea to shake that tree really good before you bring it into your living room.
1: And unfortunately, if I had a Christmas tree, all of the ornaments on the lower limbs would be probably destroyed by the time Christmas rolls around. Uh, so I've started a little Santa Claus collection for my holiday cheer. Uh, interestingly enough, my brother's cat uh, guards the presents. He'll lay under the tree and kind of be the uh, guardian of the gifts, as it were. So, uh, And then a friend of mine on Facebook uh, got a couple of kittens recently. And had some pictures on Facebook of oh look at the new ornament in the tree that looks just like a cat. Uh, so, oh no! <laughs> a lot of fun at Christmas time with uh, with cats. Uh, so uh, good morning, Doctor Major. It is an all pet day, and we're going to start off with an email that says, "I have a cat who we adopted ten years ago when the previous owner passed away. I know she's been spayed, but other than that, I have to confess we've never taken her to the vet for any checkups or anything." Now she's getting older, I'm anticipating the possibility that she might take ill and need to go to a vet. Is there anything that would prevent me from bringing her in for the first time at a point where she's ill, such as shots she might have missed, uh, that would require her to be isolated or something like that?
3: I definitely would discuss that with your veterinarian when you take her in. Uh, Several things you might consider. One would be some uh, blood work, uh, blood chemistry and CBC just to see a baseline for future reference and also to possibly turn up any type of issue, even though she seems to be healthy right now, it'd be better to have that baseline where you could uh, check. And if there was something a little bit abnormal, uh, it might point in a direction where you would either change her diet or be more observant of how she's doing.
1: Uh, part two of the question is the cat was feral prior to being taken in by the previous owner and still has her claws and can be a little skittish at times. Other than getting her into a pet carrier, is there anything else I should know regarding getting her to the vet? The ordeal of getting her there is part of the reason why I'm reluctant to do so unless it's important. Good question.
3: Uh, I think one of the things you possibly should do is talk to the vet in advance uh, or to their technician. Uh, There may be something that could be given. Uh, Some of the cats respond to uh, gabapentin, uh, which uh, can be... Uh, mixed in the food, and it has a calming effect on a lot of them. I would rather not use a heavy tranquilizer simply because difficult to examine and know exactly what's going on. But there's some things your vet may suggest that would help uh, calm uh, before the trip to the vet.
1: All Looks like we've got some callers on the line, so why don't we start uh, our morning off by talking to our friend, uh sue who calls in from beaumont good morning sue you're on the air with us
2: good morning Wild Debbie is there i wanted to ask her what was the latest bird count because i have a wild bullet vine it's like a wild grapevine growing on the bushes out back and every year i've just been thrilled to see all these birds come to eat off those bush off those vines you know and this year i've seen very few birds i mean what happened to all the birds <laughs> oh no i'm sorry sue somebody's running the birds out of your yard huh Or something. Yeah, yeah, and I guess I'll go through that same kind of a list of any changes that might have occurred in your neighborhood or um, you think of anything that's different now than it was when you saw birds. Has anybody changed the the habitat in any way?
3: Libby, one Uh of the things that you see sometimes is a hog in the area, and a lot of the birds will avoid. Coming there. A lot of times the hawks will know that there's a food source nearby and the birds will be there and they can prey on the birds as they either go to a feeder or to the berry vines that she's talking about.
2: Yeah. I I did hear a hawk overhead the other day. I didn't think about that, but would that be what's keeping the birds away? (laughs) Are you seeing fewer birds, like in general, all the time, or was it just
4: that day that
2: you were looking? All the time, when these, when these, this time of the year, i have always seen lots of birds out there eating off that vine and those vines. Are, and this year, I've seen very few birds, and I didn't know what happened. And it may be that something came early and cleaned off your vines. Uh, is there as much fruit on those vines as you used to have? I guess I would be another question. Uh, I don't know what happened. I um, uh, I miss seeing them though.
3: The other thing, yeah,
2: is like, the put out other thing some is- food, yeah.
3: The other thing to think about would be uh, maybe the weather conditions uh, further north has not pushed some of the birds on down. Uh, I'm not seeing as many around my feeders as I normally do, and I I think some of it has to do with mild temperatures. Uh, It's been sporadic temperatures in the Midwest and, and, and north, but still it's warmer than normal there, so it may not be pushing these birds on down.
2: And it could be they've got a food source other than right there. If they've got more food than usual, sometimes you don't see them either. Does that make sense?
1: They're eating
2: somewhere else, in other words.
1: All right, Sue, thank you. Always good to hear from you on Creature Comforts. Uh, Jim is on the line with a question about dog food. We're going to take that after we take this first break. It is time for a break on Creature Comforts. Uh, We'll continue talking with Dr. Major about your pet questions throughout this hour. If you want to join the conversation, call us. It's 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number is 1-877-672-7464. You can email animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more, so stay tuned. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture
5: of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB
1: public media app. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. If you want to join our conversation this morning with a pet question or comment, or if you've had a recent brush with wildlife you'd like to share, the number's is one mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Email the show, animals, at mpbonline.org. Jim has called in from Madison this morning. Go ahead, Jim, you're on the air with us.
0: Good morning. I have a 7- um, or 8-year-old miniature dachshund, weighs about 10 pounds, and we're approaching the bottom of a huge bag of, dog, of dry dog food that I bought when the pandemic started. Uh, and I'm looking around for a change to give him just something different. And uh, I keep seeing a lot of promotion of grain-free dog food. He's always been on dry, dry food. Is, is there any benefit to grain-free food? And, and if so, what is it?
3: Okay, one of, the, one of the things, and I have problems with this, is oversold, okay, uh, over-advertised, in my opinion. Uh, some dogs do well uh, if they have allergies on a grain-free food, uh, but in most cases, our dogs do quite well on it. Uh, I, would, I would look at the foods that this dog likes. I mean, if he has no allergies and is in good shape, it sounds like he's not overweight uh, I would choose a good quality. Now, you, in dog food, you pay for what you get, and some pro- dog foods are overpriced for certain. I mean, probably more than we eat for a meal seems like almost. But I would check closely and uh, get a good quality dog food. Certainly, you can feed grain grain free. However, there are some indications with some of the dog foods uh, that have uh, lentils and peas that that may actually cause some heart conditions in some dogs. So I like a good balanced dog food, uh, and I think that's a very uh, something that you need to look at. But a good quality, and I, I'm not going to name a brand, but there are a lot of brands that are good, and I'd pick one that your dog likes. And uh, realizing that he's, you said, seven or eight years old. Right. And, uh, you know, for adult, mature dog, that's where I would go.
0: Okay, I, I know you didn't. You, you're not. You, you didn't go to the brands, but I got a question about a brand because. I'm go ahead. So go ahead. Uh The Blue Buffalo, I think it's called. Is that is
3: that a decent brand? It's a decent brand. Yes, it is. It is, and a lot of times, you know, how does the dog respond to it or the cat? Uh, of course, cats are so funny, they, they'll eat her food for a week, and then they'll quit. They'll go, well, hey, you've got to give me something else. Dogs usually, I mean, I've had my dog, uh, she's about five years old now, and she's eating the same food every day, and she still enjoys it and likes it. So, And I control her weight by cutting back on her food. She's, she's a big dog. She's around 100, 105 pounds. If I fed her all she would eat, she would weigh 115, 120, so we don't need that. But um, that should be a good brand, yes, I would say. Depends on how your dog does with it.
0: Right. Okay. Well, I sure appreciate the advice. Thank you.
3: I wouldn't buy buy the biggest bags to start out with. (laughs) No, I'm going to
0: go with a a four-and-a-half-pound bag this time.
3: There there you go. Thank you. Appreciate your call.
1: Good to hear from you, Jim. Thanks for the call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Got another call on the line, but I'd like to insert a a question here, Uh, Dr. Major. I know that when you talk about pets, uh, cats, and litter boxes, you often recommend I think a a litter box and a half or something for every cat. Um, Do they need to be physically in different parts of the house, or if I had an area where I have my litter box, could I put another one right next to it? Is it the idea that the cat just likes to have more kind of fresh litter if need be?
3: Yes, it depends on the cat. And, of course, good litter box etiquette says that you need to keep that litter box clean as best you can. In multiple cat households, it can be a problem. Uh, You don't always get to clean it out, but I would say that old thing of one litter box per cat plus one. In other words, if you have three cats, you need four litter boxes, uh, not one for each cat. In other words, you don't double up and have two for each cat, but uh, for a two-cat household, you would have two plus one. Uh, I would... I would say that if you just have one cat, you could put a litter box next to it. If you have multiple cats, I think they'd like to uh, have uh, some distance between the litter boxes.
1: Well, I've noticed the only times I've ever had a problem with my cat and not using the litter box is when I get a little lazy and don't clean it out enough. So I think, uh, so I, you know, I've, I I get a little upset, but then I kind of feel bad because I think that I might have continued part of the problem. And then if you look at it, you think, well, that's not a real clean spot to do that. And I think even, uh, humans certainly—I <laughs> right. mean, not to get in too far to that conversation—but I think we right. all can understand that.
3: And so, some cats are more fastidious than others, uh, and that that gets to be a problem i've seen cats that would not go back to a litter box once it's been used so it's good to have that extra one out
1: all right uh, let's uh, move on we've got another caller on the line so we say good morning to uh, cynthia who's called in from fairhope you're on the air with us cynthia go ahead
6: good morning i'm another cat question person um i have a male and a female cat the, the speaking of litter boxes the female cat. Wants to go outside to do her business and, and it's really getting annoying. I've actually run out after her, picked her up and taken her inside and stuck her in the box, but that hasn't helped much. <laughs> That's my first problem. My second problem is the male cat uh, last spring and summer developed a real problem with his skin. He kept, he was biting and scratching himself all the time. We give them the, the cat, the, the flea drops every month, and he was tearing his own hair out and we couldn't, he didn't want us to touch him. And it was we were staying home from the for the pandemic, and so we weren't going to the vet. And but the problem seems to have cleared up on its own. His cat, his hair, his, his, um, fur has grown back, and he's not grooming himself excessively. But I want to know how I can prevent that from happening. It, it, I don't know if it's. I mean, I've had him several bunch of years. It it, it just seemed to develop this past summer. It's not does like he, it's an annual summer thing.
3: Does he go outside at all?
6: Yes, they're both indoor-outdoor cats.
3: Okay. And something may be, it sounds like a, more of a seasonal type thing with him, you know, that there's something going on that's caused him to do this. Continue to use your flea control product that you're using. It sounds like that's working for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it gets worse where he has actually sores uh, on his, his neck and back, wherever he's scratching or chewing, uh, you may need to try to get him in to see your fit. Uh but it's amazing that it has cleared up, which is great. As far as the, the, the female, I I know of some cats that are exactly like that. They would rather die than go inside in the litter box, and they want to go outside. So it's something that she has learned, and I'm not sure what would happen if you prevented her from going outside. She might go oh, outside the litter box.
6: She would and, drive us crazy if we didn't let right, her go
3: outside. Right, so I think basically she's, That's ingrained in her, and uh, I don't know that you're going to be able to change that. Okay?
6: Okay. Well, thank you very much.
1: Thanks, uh,
3: Cynthia. Good luck with that. Uh, I I would say that's an allergy based on what you're saying. I don't think it's a cat food type thing. I don't think the food has anything based on what you're saying to do with that, but but it's probably an outside issue coming in contact with something. Okay. Thank
0: you.
1: Good to hear from you, Cynthia. Thanks for the call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Got some open phone lines if you have a pet question or if you want to share a brush with wildlife that you've had recently. The number is one mpb ring It's 1-877-672-7464. You can also email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. And we do have another email here uh, that says, I came across a domesticated mallard duck in Ridgeland and want to know where i can take the duck to safely be reintroduced into the wild or to a sanctuary in mississippi can you help me uh, let me want to give you first crack at that any thoughts on this one
2: okay now the one thing that's given me a question possibly is them saying it's a domesticated mallard
1: right that's what i which, thought as well
2: yes yeah, so but if it's injured I would call the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science and ask them for your closest rehabber, and they'll have somebody good to take care of it. If it's a wild duck, especially, that's what you need to do. Um, Troy, if it's a domestic duck, do they just need to take it to a zoo? I mean, to a, a, a veterinarian?
3: Well, here, here's the issue. I don't know why why they're saying it's a domestic uh domesticated duck, it must be following them around. People have probably been feeding this duck. If it's yeah. close to a body of water, uh, a lake or a pond, it probably would be perfectly fine. As you said, it may be injured, so that would be, be the catch. So I'm not sure if it's in a situation where it would be injured, uh, if it's, uh, you know, hanging around people. So I would say that uh, that determination needs to be made.
2: Yeah. If a if an animal is not injured in general, we would say, leave it where you see it. Don't, don't bring it in or pick it up or disturb right. it. But um, I so I don't have enough information to tell right. you too much about it. But calling a rehabber and let that person talk to a rehabber would probably be the safest thing for us to do.
1: Right. And I would but, think a rehabber would be able to determine if it's, quote-unquote domesticated or wild and know whether it would be able to survive if released back out into the wild or something so yeah uh, that might be the best and and Libby you said that if they contact uh, the uh, the museum that they would be able to help them put it in touch with uh, with a rehabber
2: they keep good updated lists of rehabbers all over the state so they would be able to give you a number of somebody that should be pretty close to wherever they live
1: all right very good we have another caller on the line. We're gonna to talk to Terry in Tupelo. Good morning, Terry. You're on the air with us.
5: So with that mallard, if they'll wait a couple of weeks, duck season opens and they can just snap its neck and eat it.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. That's a thought. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I mean I'm not I'm not kidding how many mallards are gonna get killed during duck season. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, but
5: anyway, I, I'm I'm the facetious. Uh, I have a Mountain Curve Blue Heeler mix, and I have a Great Pyrenees, or my son has a Great Pyrenees Lab mix. They're both females, and they absolutely hate each other. And so when my son brings his dog over, we have to put Piper in the bedroom. And I'm trying to figure out, is there a way to get them not to hate each other?
3: How how old are they?
5: They're both... so the, uh, the Blue Healer mix is probably six, and the Great Pyrenees is probably three or four. Yeah.
3: You know, it's, that's a difficult thing. They're probably both uh, trying to exert dominance. They're probably both alpha females, uh, and it's going to be difficult. Uh, this is one of those cases where if you can find a trainer or somebody in the area to help you, I honestly think a lot of times these get worse rather than better, and it may be that you're doing the best thing by uh, keeping them separate. Uh, I've seen some vicious vicious fights, yes. It's
5: it's just a struggle, and I have seen them get into vicious fights. They've actually bit my wife. I told her, throw water on them. Don't get in between them, you know.
3: That's no, good anyway. advice. That's right. good advice for any dog fight. Uh, don't don't get bitten. We've seen some pretty bad bites on people from from the dog fight. Thanks for your call. I'll look at some trainers. All right, I think it'd be good.
1: Okay, Terry. Kevin, thanks. Kevin, yeah,
3: Kevin, you had a had an email today uh, showing a uh, worm type thing going up a garage door or a door. I don't know if you saw that or not, but. Uh, They were asking what it was. They called it a uh, hammerhead worm, which is a common type name. Uh, They're actually a type of planaria. There's a whole host of planaria worldwide. Usually this is one that's found. Sometimes it'll be on the fur of a dog or a cat. And it's pretty alarming when you see it. Uh, It's harmless. That particular type is harmless. There are some that uh, are... uh, can affect animals and people. But this type uh, is very, very
1: harmless. All right. That's good news. Uh, it is time for another break. When we get back, we've got some open phone lines ready for your pet questions. Or if you want to share a brush with wildlife with us, you can do that also. Call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org got a caller on the line and room for your calls as well so stay tuned we're coming back after this
5: hey this is larry morrissey with the mississippi arts commission i'm one of the hosts of the mississippi arts hour the arts interview show on think radio each week myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative mississippians we talk with visual artists musicians writers as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities we hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5
1: p.m. on Think Radio. Or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. It's Creature Comforts on MPP Think Radio. If you missed any of today's show, you can subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcast app, or you can uh, download the MPB Public Media app for your smartphone, and then you can uh, listen to Creature Comforts and all of the other local MPB Think Radio programs on your schedule. Uh, we've got some phone lines available. If you want to join our conversation this morning, you can give us a call. The number is one mpb ring It's 1-877-672-7464 or email animals at mpbonline.org. Our producer, Java, printed out the picture of the hammerhead worm, and we'll have a little more discussion about that in just a minute. It is an interesting-looking creature. But we do have a couple of calls to get to, so let's start again uh, in uh, Cleveland with Charlotte. Charlotte, you're on the air with us. Go ahead.
4: Yes, I have a female Jack, Jack Russell adoption combination. She's 12 and a half and for several years she's had urinary crystal issues. She has to either have urinary SO or low-fat ID food and at $38 a bag it's pretty steep but can that uh, have you ever seen that problem go away on its own and will I? uh, are there any foods that are non-prescription that she could have that wouldn't trigger crystals
3: great question and we do see uh crystals. and We see stones. Sometimes these things will form stones. I don't know if this dog has ever had any actual stones uh, in her bladder or not. We usually see those uh, in conjunction with the crystals. And uh, I would say this. First of all, it is a specialized diet. Uh, it uh, is one that, and I don't know what type of crystals there are. There are more than one type of crystal. Do you, do you know the type of crystal?
4: I don't know, but when she would be having issues, just if she would have an accident on the tile floor, just the room would fill up with an odor. I don't know what right. type those.
3: Okay, there are different kinds of, uh, of crystals and two basic ones, and the SO is the food that you would you'd feed. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know of a, a over-the-counter type food that would work with that, and... Uh, i would say that it is one of those things as a preventive you probably need to continue feeding feeding that food okay. uh, i wish I wish I had a better uh, solution for you you can talk to your vet you probably already have about what would be the best thing and alternative but I think that's probably the best that you can can feed her okay okay and and, and
4: that won't can that go away on its own or, or will she probably always issue?
3: She probably will always have that issue. You can try. Now, how often do you feed her the uh, ID, the low-fat ID? Uh,
4: Three times a day, morning, mid-afternoon, and then uh, a little bit before, like around nine at night.
3: Right. And are you feeding the uh, SO, urinary tract SO, as well?
4: Uh, no, they were out of it one time and offered me the I.D., and then she liked the flavor of it better, so I switched okay. to the I.D. low-fat.
3: Okay. Well, I would continue on with that. I think it would be wise. Uh, I would eliminate, you know, some problems, I, I hope, and I hope she does well. But thank you for your call, and I I would say to continue using that food, okay?
4: All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks, Charlotte. Good to hear from you. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're going to go to the phones in just a minute again, but uh, Libby wanted to uh, get your input. Have you ever come across a hammerhead worm? I think, uh, did you get to see the picture uh, that was emailed in this morning?
2: Yes, and I have seen them, those planarians, and they are very strange, and um, they can get to be pretty big. So I right. don't, I didn't see very much information as to where and what kind of uh, a place they were found. It looked like it was inside a home on a door, right? But maybe that was an outside door. It looked like an inside door to me.
3: Libby, uh, but I think uh, uh-huh. usually we, we see them, uh, they, they live under vegetation, rotting vegetation, or like uh, if you have mulch or anything around your plants, that's where you'd see them. And a lot of times somebody will bring one in or actually find one on their dog, especially just kind of sitting on the fur. Uh, oh, that's they're, weird, they're,
0: yeah.
3: They're unique uh, animals. Uh, they Their digestive system is very primitive. Uh, there are some, as I said, that can affect uh, uh, other animals and actually cause some issues. But as far as I know, this particular type of an area is safe. It's just sort of, uh, startling when you see it.
1: Yeah. It, uh, from the picture, it's hard to tell size, but it looks let me, like you mentioned, this looks like it's a fairly long thing and it looks like it might be crawling up. The email says garage door. So that looks like that might be the case, but it's, uh, yeah. as Dr. Major said, I think if I came across that, that, that might give me a, mm-hmm. a, a pause. That's for sure. Yes. <laughs> and
2: the little bit I've been reading here, just catching a few things as we were talking, um, Several species that people are finding are introduced species. They're exotics, and I guess they've come in on plants. And now that you mention the mulch, Troy, that might be a way that they're being spread if they're exotics.
3: But they've been around forever, and uh, they're very primitive. In other words, you understand what I'm saying? Primitive. Yeah. They aren't oh, yeah. that developed uh, structurally, and uh, I can remember seeing one 30 years, 40 years ago. I mean, they're they're... They're they're, there. It's uncommon to see them, and it's a little bit startling when you do see them. I suspect this one is probably six to eight inches long, and it's it's also called a flatworm. Uh, Yes. Okay. Yeah,
2: one of the other weird things that veterinarians get to see. (laughs) (laughs) That's
3: that's exactly right.
1: (laughs) All right, uh, let's head back to the phone lines. Uh, We're going to go to Madison. Paul has called in with a question. Paul, you're on the air with us. Go ahead.
0: Oh, I
7: have a red bone coon hound right. Whose yeah. eye? His eyes matter up really bad. Uh, get almost he can't open his eyes, and it looks like a a white film is forming over the actual eyeball. Right. But the, and I haven't been able to get anything from my local vet to help the problem. Yeah.
3: Okay. How how old is this uh?
7: Six years old.
3: Okay. And he's had the problem for a while?
7: Just this year. Yeah.
3: Okay, one of the things that we see, and I'm just speculating now, uh, I don't know if the has talked to you, whether it might have entropion, uh, where the eyelid turns in toward the eye uh, and can cause some irritation. Uh, that may be part of the problem. Uh, what kind of medication have you tried? Just as, over the
7: over the counter yeah, uh, yeah. equate.
0: Uh, okay. Well, it's
7: a it, some you can squirt in the eye it's supposed to clean, right. it, clean it out, but it doesn't do any right. good.
0: My
3: suggestion would be, as far as eye cleaner, I would use just uh, saline solution like you would use for contacts. But talk uh-huh. to your vet about an antibiotic. It sounds like a conjunctivitis, but if his eyes are clouding over, it probably is more serious than just what I'm visualizing. So. But the uh, saline solution is is inexpensive. Uh, it's, uh can be used to clean the eyes with. Uh, I would use a cotton ball or something very mild or gentle to clean those eyes. But it sounds like he needs an antibiotic at the very least uh, and to be put in the eyes. But there may be an underlying problem which is causing this, such as entropion. Okay?
1: All right, Paul. Okay. Thanks I appreciate for your. It. All right, thank you, Paul. Good to hear from you, Paul. Let's uh, move on. Got another caller on the line. Now we're going to go to Biloxi, and uh, Edwin has called in. Go ahead, Edwin. You're on the air.
8: Okay, thanks for taking my call. Um, yes, sir. I was wondering. I have this, um, this dog I just rescued about five months ago. He was chained up to a, a tree for three years. My concern is we're working him up for um, one treatment starting on Monday. And the vet said, well, you got to do stuff and don't get his heart rate up. And this dog, before he goes to make number one or number two, he may circle around the yard, not in a very wide um, wide area, but he circles about 70 times, I counted, before he decides to make number two. And yeah. sometimes when I see him, he just dances around like in excitement, you know? And my concern is, I don't want him to have any harm, you know, he's starting a on treatment on Monday. Um, right. Before, uh, we tried Trazodone. Cause he just had the, um, the neutering done, and that seemed to work to some part, but sometimes he just can, I don't know, make his way out of that um, Trazodone. And I've been trying all these over-the-counter um, calming medications, and nothing seemed to work. Any um, okay. advice?
3: Yes. Uh, You know, some of his problem probably has to do with the fact that he has been chained up to a tree. You said for three years? Yes, sir. Something like that. Yeah. So he's got some uh, psychological problems, I would definitely say. The trazodone should help some. There is a product called Composure. I don't know if you've tried that or not, but it does help in some dogs that are excitable. Uh, Your vet can get that for you. It's just like you would imagine when you say compose. Composure is the name of it, and it does help in some dogs. Uh, the real problem that I see, if you're doing a traditional treatment with the heartworms, then he does need to be kept calm. Uh, if he has a, probably has a lot of heartworms, you don't know that. But just the fact that he's been probably with no heartworm preventing for those three years at least, Uh he does need to be restricted in his activity after the treatment because these worms can die uh, in mass and can cause pulmonary embolism and you could lose the dog. So it sounds like you're doing a good job. Just be very frank with your vet about what's the best best to do. And they probably already told you, but uh, he really needs to be kept quiet if you're doing the traditional treatment. Yeah, it's
8: that's my frightening because right. I can't keep him quiet because you,
3: know, you circles so much. Right. Try the composure. Uh, if you can get that, I'm sure you vet can order that for you. Uh, okay. and see, see if that helps, okay? All right. Best Appreciate of luck you. to you. Thank, you. Thank you. Take care.
1: Thanks, Edwin. Uh, let's go ahead and take our last break this hour. It's an all-pet day here on Creature Comfort, so we're looking for your pet questions. But also, if you've had a brush with wildlife, a a nature encounter that you'd like to share with us, we always like to hear those. Give us a call to join the show. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number, it's 1-877-672-7464. Email animals at mpbonline.org. Back to wrap things up after this, so stay tuned. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. Uh, we've got some time and some phone lines open for this all pet day, so if you want to join in, uh, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 Email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Uh, Before we get to the phone call, uh, Java did uh, have uh, Dr. Major and Libby seen this. Yeah, we've got another email here. And the caption says, I saw this. It's a big picture of a big fuzzy thing. (laughs) Saw this one in my backyard. I'm originally from Ohio. We have a caterpillar called Fuzzy Bear, which can indicate the coming winter weather. Is there anything like that here in Mississippi? Uh, Dr. Major, let's give you first crack at that. Do you have any idea what that fuzzy thing is?
3: (laughs) You know, they're a lot, right, it is it is a caterpillar, uh, probably of a moth. I have seen a lot of them at different times. And does it mean that it's going to be a bad winter? I don't know. That's a, I won't say an old tale, but it certainly is is a possibility. And they they even have, we have, I, the ones I've seen here are black, okay? And they move pretty rapidly. You'll see them crossing the road sometime. And, uh... I would say that to tell you that uh, they're a predictor of weather, who knows we'll see. I haven't seen any lately though Libby?
2: yeah well that that was definitely a caterpillar, and I think you're right, it's a moth the you know those tussock moths they have particularly um irritating hairs on them if you if you touch so there's some species you don't want to touch uh just because they'll they really. Itch. They'll you'll, they'll make you start itching. They're they kind of have a, a an allergic reaction almost. Most people do to them. That one didn't look, look like the tussock moth. It's probably the most irritating. But they usually have a a dark streak down their back within those white hairs. But I know the one that that most people call the fuzzy bear usually you know is brown and black. Right. And I think those can occur as a wider form too. Like, this one was almost snowy white. But um, it shouldn't be harmful to you or your pets, and it's it's probably looking for a place to um, overwinter as a cocoon, and then it'll emerge as a moth in the in the spring.
1: All right. Uh, you know, people have – go ahead, Dr. Major. One of the
3: things, as I remember, there's a woolly bear society. <laughs> <laughs> so.
1: so.
3: I don't know anything of course. about it, but i remember I remember hearing about that, but anyway they're 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 unique and they're very I, I, anytime you see a, a moth or not a moth, but a caterpillar that has a lot of bristles and stuff like that, I would not advise handling it because some of them, as Libby said can be very irritating uh if you pick them up, okay.
1: And uh, yeah, you, they, they, primitive. I like that word that you used earlier, Doctor Major, because these the things they look outworldly. So it's uh, interesting. And thanks for folks uh, that uh, got a good two good pictures that we got sent in with us uh, with emails this morning. So we appreciate it when you can capture something on your smartphone. Got about three calls to get to. Let's see if we can run through all these calls before the end of the hour. Starting with Juanita in Oxford. You're on the air with us. Go ahead.
6: Hi, um, Paul. I enjoy your show and and I'm a fan, but I have this comment and this question specifically for Dr. Major. Um, Dr. Major, I've been living here for 14 years now and I love Mississippi and the people, but I get really tired of the bless your heart syndrome where nobody is at fault ever. And so my question to you is, why did you not tell that person who had the dog chained up for three years to get the dog off the
3: chain that it was driving no. you crazy. This guy rescued the dog. He 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 didn't it's not. he didn't have the dog chained up. He rescued that dog. The do- but, he
6: didn't he say the dog was chained up for three years?
3: That's right, and he rescued it. It's not chained up. Oh I'm so glad. It's not chained up now and he's doing the right thing. He's trying to get it treated for heartworm. Oh I'm so
0: which glad. Pro-
3: which probably the dog was it wasn't his dog originally,
0: okay? He rescued And
3: uh, what he's trying to do, and of course the real problem is this dog probably is loaded with heartworms because if he's been chained to the tree, he probably has had no preventive at all. So what he's done, he's he's working with his vet and trying to calm the dog to a certain extent. He's already had it neutered, trying to calm the dog now where, if you listen to what I said there, once these heartworms die, if he's real active like chasing a squirrel or running up and down the fence, uh, he said this dog circles a lot, but the point is uh, he's going to have to figure out a way to keep the dog calm during the heartworm treatment. But I appreciate your call, but no, he had rescued this dog.
1: Right. All right, Juanita, thanks for the call. Let's move on next to uh, Amy's in Raymond. Good morning, Amy. You're on the air. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. You're on the air with us.
6: I was also calling about the dog that was on a chain. One thing that can help dogs that are, are anxious and uh, need to stay calm is mental stimulation. So probably the easiest mental stimulation is to, like, throw their their food down in the grass and let them find it with their nose, which really, using their nose really wears them out. Another thing that you can do is if you're feeding them kibble or if you can wet it, and food you can just take it as is, and stuff it into a cong or something like called a topple and put it in your freezer so that it, it, they have to work to get their their food out. And that just gives them a little something interesting to do so they're not just
8: so crazy.
3: Great point. I appreciate your call on that. But uh, certain things he could try to see that could help to calm this dog. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Amy. Good suggestions. Let's uh, get one final call in, and it's Chico in Oxford. Good morning, Chico. Go ahead.
7: Uh, The dude that called in earlier had the White Lab Great Pyrenees mix. uh, About uh, two years ago, this lady got in touch with me, and she had one of those, and it was too much for her to handle. wanted me to take it off her hands, and uh, I happen to love Great Pyrenees. I've worked with them before, so I took this dog off her hands, and it was the craziest, wildest dog I've ever been around. It's like a barrel of monkeys rolling down I-55 <laughs> at a high rate of speed. But she's calmed down a little bit now. And she looks sort of like a Great Pyrenees on the smaller side. And she has so much Great Pyrenees intensity as far as guarding at night. Right. Anytime at all, I can walk outside and she's on point, And she is fearless with male dogs. Mm-hmm. Um... And I wanted—I was never heard of what you commented on the alpha female. If you would tell a little bit of that, I hadn't heard of that concept, and that's what she is.
3: <laughs> right, and, and the real problem there is if you have two of the same. Of course, th- there may be a different problem with these two dogs, but certainly two alpha females can be uh, create a miserable problem. Both are trying to assert dominance, uh-huh. and uh, it sounds like this dog that you've got is—you've—you've uh, you've done a great deal of work with her i'm sure and she's she's a guardian, of the, hou- guardian of the house now right and uh, right. that's a great great point and uh
7: and the males just, don't have any problem with her they, right. they let her do what she wants to
3: <laughs> and this is this is always food for thought we don't have to talk about it today but uh i see where a lot of uh, pets take on the attitude of their owner so, y'all can think about that. <laughs> <laughs> but but well, she
7: travels 80 miles a day
3: with me, seven days a week. She's around well, a you, good bit. You've done a lot to calm her down. That's great. Thanks a lot, y'all. Thanks.
1: Thanks, Chico, for the call. That's about going to wrap us up. Just a reminder, as I said, uh, got a couple of emails this morning with some really great pictures. So if you're ever out and about uh, maybe walking your dog, doing yard work, whatever, and you see something that you can't figure out what it is or you just think is an interesting creature, uh, try to snap a picture of it and email it to us. And uh, we always enjoy looking at it and trying to figure out with you exactly what it is so that's going to wrap us up for today creature comforts is a production of mississippi public broadcasting think radio funding provided in part by listeners like you if you want to hear today's show or previous show you can go to mpbonline.org creature comforts our show is produced each week by java chapman and our call screener is liz gill for, for dr troy major libby and libby hartfield i'm kevin farrell up next it's auto correct with the lady auto mechanic allison walker We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for other Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.